Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. I'm joined tonight by the Managing Director of Unilever, Dana, my guest, Mehdi Akutu. Mehdi, welcome to Springboard. It's good to see you. Good evening. Thank you. Great pleasure to be here. Well, it's my pleasure as well, and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And what, what can I say about Mr. Asian? <laughs> it's an honor to be here. Yeah, yeah you, you know, when 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 accomplished people like this tell you they are students of the virtual university, you are humbled because it, it's it's a platform that brings great minds together across the world, and it's just an honor to have you here, sir. Thank you. And so I will be trying to learn from you the building blocks to corporate leadership. Let me talk about relevance first. Let's start by talking about the preparation process. Is it is it worth our while, Mr. Asian, to gather leaders together and and or or potential prospective CEOs, leaders, and spend time in a structured, deliberate coaching program? It's extremely important. Uh, that is something that we miss in our part of the world, and especially in Ghana. And you have that only with multinationals like Unilever, Nestle, and the rest. But for most of our local businesses, that is a missing point. And that is why you see businesses flounder and die after the first generation of leaders in that business. Right. And so building capacity and succession planning seems to be the big the big discussion. Is it a shift from what used to be the situation in the past? I think so. I think it's a shift. But for me, most importantly, after your program, the companies should live it. You know, we have in Ghana, most of the time, what I refer to as positional leaders. They would want to stay on the throne till kingdom come. So this should not be just an episode. They should live it, which means that they should allow those they are grooming to take over at the right time. Right. We'll talk about your experience as we go along, but let me cross over to Mehdi and find out. Mehdi, how relevant is a discussion about being world-class, building world-class organizations, considering the local context that we live in with all the challenges that we have? Is it worth our while to consider even being world-class? It is actually critical to aim to be world-class because... People talk about, you know, the the world being global now. So business is very global. Ghana has very open borders. So anybody, whether it's a local business or a multinational operating in Ghana, is not only competing against companies in Ghana, but also with organizations outside. And so when we compete, we must make sure that we're globally relevant and to be the best we can be. Right. So we, we have... We have in looking at the registration, we have it cuts across diverse industries, manufacturing, banking, insurance, life insurance, um, different industries, aviation, services, mining, and and they are all coming to listen to the same presentations, the same thoughts. Would you feel that the elements of what it takes to build a world-class business are generic and can be applicable because you have some actually some NGOs, even some churches, wanting to be in there to listen to what is going on. There seems to be a hunger to find out what it takes to be truly world-class. Would it be your thinking that 
the principles that go into making something world class are generic and, and can be applicable across board. Well, for people, individuals, and for businesses to succeed, there the couple of components um, where individuals are concerned. We normally talk about their skills and their competences. So, in the business world or in companies, you can talk about their technical know-how, and then your main topic, which is about leadership, and the people element and leadership cuts across industries and it's not about private sector or public sector or government or non-governmental this is what is required to actually make a success of anything in life and it's not even leadership is not just about business a great leader will run a great home and be able to manage their home their finances of the house the raising of the children with excellence a great leader will will transform a church and bring in new converts and grow a church so Yes, it is relevant for everybody to be to learn how to become a great leader and how to be successful at whatever it is that they do. Right. If you just tuned in, this is Springboard Your Virtual Invest. This is the final session in our build up to the Festival of Ideas twenty sixteen. And two of our, our major resource persons in the festival are on the show tonight. Albert is in the former group CEO of Ecobank Transnational Incorporated and Media to the managing director of Unilever Ghana. We're talking about two themes here, working side by side. First, grooming the next generation of CEOs, and then very importantly, building world-class organizations. Um, maybe Mr. Asian affirmed the importance of a process of grooming, a process of coaching, a process of guiding. And she said that typically, he said that typically uh, you will find it much more in multinationals. And I can, I can, I can allude to that because I, I hung around in, in, in <laughs> briefly and I saw a bit of, a bit of it, but did you benefit from, from, from that kind of deliberate preparation and coaching? I think my organization is really great in the area of coaching and training. And in that regard, there's a deliberate, um, plan for all employees to to really grow and sharpen their skills and their competences. So irrespective of what level of management you are at, the local and international training opportunities to help you to improve on your strengths and to close any gaps that have been identified. So I did benefit from, from those opportunities. Um, as an organization, for example, I have been on what Unilever calls the, you know, GM workshops to help you to become a better uh, general manager and other leadership courses, specifically for senior leaders. So all of that does help to prepare one to be a, a good leader. Your your particular area of interest, apart from the the plenary presentation that you will be making at the festival of ideas mm. is to help participants in the breakouts help them understand how to master the key competencies could you be so kind as to give us a little a sneak preview of some of the competencies that you will be highlighting or talking about in your session on, on testing okay um i've selected three competency areas to look to look at one is around judgment one is around influence and one is around networking. And I chose those areas because Unilever looks at them very carefully when looking for high potential employees. So judgment, drive, and influence. 
they have determined that if you are very good in all of these three elements, then you are highly likely to have the right leadership skills and to take on more responsibility in the business. So I shall be sharing some insights as to what we look for in those three areas and how to improve oneself in those three areas. You know, I have a very big problem. Anytime I hear any of the speakers speak, I say, I'm coming to your session. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Judgment, drive, influence, networking. I need to hear these, especially the discretion, judgment part, because at the higher you, you, it will seem that the higher you climb, the more one mistake. Mr. Let me cross over to you at this point. It will seem that the higher you climb, the more one small error of judgment can bring down everything you struggle for 30 years to build. From your perspective, I mean, how critical well, is the issue it's, of it's, it's very critical. And it's not just judgment, but sound judgment. Right. Uh, it can actually derail a career if you make a judgment uh, that, that, is, that is negative. Right. Uh, and uh, I think that also leadership brings a lot of discretion. Discretion. And uh, it also brings a lot of sounding people. Uh, I guess before you make certain judgments, except it's off the cuff, most of the time you have that opportunity for a sounding board. Right. And that is extremely important. So you're saying that one of the keys to sound judgment is not to be impulsive, to, to run it by some trusted people who will give you good counsel. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. It, it's always good to, to, to have a sounding board. Wow. Okay. Before you make a, a judgment. Because an imp- impulsive judgment could create a problem for the organization. Right. Let, let me let me also find out from you. I found out from Mady whether she had had the benefit of of coaching, guidance, preparation. You, you've had an illustrious career, and I'm sure we, we should do this again and and, and, and and weave the thread through the various stop building blocks of, of your career. But did you also benefit from a mentor, a coach, a deliberate process to... to Mine was not that deliberate. Uh, don't forget, uh, the organization that I worked for was also building. Uh, I always refer to it as a car that is speeding. Uh, it, it may have problems, but you can't stop the vehicle. You have to fix it. Right. Uh, so mine was not as deliberate as perhaps uh, she had it with Unilever. They have perfected that act. We are in, in the process of perfecting that act. But mine was more of self Tuition, yes. Right. And I do believe that regardless of you having a deliberate uh, a system or process of grooming, being prepared for leadership, it also behooves on you as the person to also do some self-development. Bring you home, need, you bring, need to bring have that, that angle for Bring home that angle for me because... In, in interacting with people, sometimes you hear them say, my company hasn't sent me for any training. They, have not, they are not investing in me. Everything I'm using here, I brought it when I was coming. And, and you hear people talk like that, and it's as if they want somebody else to own their developmental process. I've you always said that when you are going into a boxing ring, it's good to go with your own referee. That's Azuma Nelson's favorite quote. Yeah, and the referee <laughs> is the punch. Right. I do believe that career path, building a career path, depends more on you in as much as the organization. And I've always believed that career path is preparing yourself and being at the right place at the right time and waiting for the grace of the Lord. You know, some call it luck. 
I said, career path is preparing yourself and being at the right place at the right time and waiting for the grace of the Lord. Some call it luck. I think and I believe that is the grace of the Lord. However, if you don't prepare yourself adequately, when that grace comes, it will pass you by. What, what kind of preparation would you say is required? Say? You need to have the passion for learning and development. So you need to be able to acquire knowledge on yourself. You know, as you go through your roles in the organization, you will need to study various aspects of that organization. And you can also look up to people to prepare you for the soft parts of the business. Those soft skills are extremely important, especially the people skills, because you cannot be a general without foot soldiers, isn't it? It's a very interesting day to choose to talk about generals and foot soldiers. <laughs> this is a very special edition of Springboard, your virtual investor. I get to get two generations of generals. And I'm the foot soldier, listening to them and learning from them about about corporate development, leadership. And I'm very curious about this discussion because many people out there listening have great aspirations and they want to know the how. Because they want to, but how do you get there? Maybe you, he speaks about the people factor. Your The pillars you mounted that will form the base of your presentation had judgment, it had drive, it had influence, and then it had networking. You mentioned networking. Influence and networking refers to the people factor. How critical is, is, is relationships and people, understanding how to work with people in your success as a corporate leader? I think many people underestimate the value of networks. Also, many people assume that networking is a negative element and that is all about politics and sucking up to to leaders. But actually, networking means knowing the right people in the business who can help you to succeed. If you have a problem, if you're a marketing manager, for example, and supply chain have a problem uh, producing your products, you need to know who to call who will help the team to unlock the challenges so that your product will be produced. So it's really about who in the organization can help you to unlock the challenges and the problems that you're going to come across so that you will be successful. That is one of the key elements because otherwise you can be in the organization and when you have a challenge or you have a problem, you don't know who to go to. And you are stuck in your office trying to figure it out all by yourself, and you're more likely to get it wrong. But if you had known, I have to call Mr. Asian because Mr. Asian knows the supplier or knows how to manage the problem. Guess what? The problem disappears because you have the right, you know, the right person to connect with. I think another element of that is also about teamwork, especially in organizations like Unilever. We work a lot in what we call multifunctional teams. Now, I read lots of CVs, and everybody says they know how to work in a team. And so you really have to deliver a project, and there are challenges with delivering the project, and you start to see teamwork disappear as people start to point fingers. But actually, you quickly learn that you cannot be successful without working with, learning how to work with others. 
it actually becomes critical. And that is why as people's careers grow and has become more senior, the people element becomes more and more important. How do you work in a team? How do you relate to the team below you? How well do you delegate? How well do you coach um, your team? How do you groom a successor? Or, or do you have a lot of people who really don't know what to do? That becomes an, an incredibly important element of leadership that will guarantee success other than just having the technical skills. So do I get the impression of an inverse relationship that as you grow more and more in corporate leadership, the technical bit will be played down and the people bit will be, will be elevated? Absolutely. Right. My background is marketing, but today I'm not the marketing director, so I'm not in the day-to-day elements of, of landing the marketing plans. Right. But I have to motivate the team. I have to inspire the team. I have to encourage the team to go out and do whatever is needed to deliver the results. So you're absolutely right on that. When I come back from this break, we're going to go into actually what building capacity. How do you move from the engineering manager to become CEO? That means putting down the engineering perspective and seeing a wider and bigger picture than that which you did in your university. And by the way, Mr. Essien will be talking about five attributes of every world-class business. And then using a barometer to measure where we are as Ghanaian businesses. I will pinch a little of that, but I can't bring all because you need to come on Thursday and hear that one. But when I come back from this break, we'll be trying to pinch a little of their presentation and see whether we can serve you a little teaser ahead of the Festival of Ideas on Thursday. This is Springboard. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, is committed to providing world-class banking services to our cherished customers. We have over 200 ATMs across the country from which our customers can withdraw cash for free with an Ecobank debit card. Use your Ecobank Visa debit card on any of our ATMs across the country and enjoy the ease of banking with the following services. Balance inquiry, cash withdrawal of up to 5,000 Ghana CDs, account-to-account transfer, checkbook requisition, and mini-statement. The main benefit of the ATM is that it saves you time because in less than five minutes you can obtain these transactions. Why queue at the bank when you can get the transactions sorted out at our ATMs? Visit any of the branches for your Visa debit card and enjoy the speed and convenience in banking with the EcoBank Visa debit card. EcoBank definitely is the Pan African Bank, and Mr. Sian is still smiling. The EcoBank is in his heart. EcoBank definitely is a Pan-African bank, and this is definitely your superstation, Joy 99.7 FM, and I'm definitely Albert Okran. Right, my guests for tonight, Albert Isian, the former group CEO of EcoBank Transnational Incorporated, and Media Kutu, the managing director of Unilever Ghana, helping me understand what it takes to build a world-class business, and very importantly, how to groom the next generation of CEOs. And it's all part of our build-up towards the Festival of Ideas 2016. Somebody's asking, how do I come to the Festival of Ideas? It's simple. Just register and join us. You can call or visit our website www.legacyandlegacy.com.gh and if you want to speak to us on phone you can call 024-999-5555 right away and ask your questions about how you can be at the Festival of Ideas. There are two sessions mutually exclusive. The morning session is aimed at people who are grooming or being groomed to become CEOs or top leaders and that is from 8am till 1pm and speaking in the morning session is my guest for tonight, Media Kutu, 
as along with Kweku Beduado and Ebenezer Asante. They will be doing the plenary presentations and they will also join the others for the breakout sessions. And the breakout sessions are joined by seven other CEOs and leaders. Kelly Gajekpu, William Atuesian, Jim Baden, Dr. Isiansa, Comfort Okran, Irabna Safubachi, and Dr. William Ochre Frimpong. These are our 10 coaches. And what will happen is this, that after the main plenaries, the, there will be 10 groups in the gardens and just in a very relaxed atmosphere. The greatest technology they will have is a flip chart. It's more of a relaxed conversation, asking deep questions about the journey, the errors, the benefits, the opportunities, the risks, and then drawing a blueprint. Everyone out of these breakout sessions will draw a personal blueprint along the lines um, where you are being coached to enable it to become a reality. As Mr. Riley said, it's not just about the talking, it's more about the doing, because without the doing, the knowledge you acquire will be in vain. But on that night, in in a, in a very, very high-profile event, the night with great minds. I mean, you were there last year. Last year was great, wasn't it? Absolutely. A very, very good. very, very good time of networking, rich exchange of ideas. Yes, and indeed. Very provo- uh, thought-provoking presentations. Listen, you'll be talking about world-class businesses and juxtaposing the Ghanaian experience. I know you will not reveal everything, but just give us a, a, a sneak preview. What are some of the a couple of the highlights you'll be throwing out on Thursday. Well, let me say that um, those who talk about African standards, you know, I always say that African standards is an euphemism for mediocrity. There is nothing like African standards. It's world-class standards. Every business should aspire to world-class standards. You know, as we always say, it's a, it's a, it's a global village now, so you cannot be in Ghana or Nigeria or Senegal and say you have African standards or Ghanaian standards. That's an euphemism for mediocrity. I think uh, two things that stand out, you know, it's five, but I'll talk of two. A strong corporate governance and strong leadership. You know, you need very good corporate structures. You realize that companies that have survived over the years, be it in Kazakhstan or or Europe, everywhere in Europe or whatever, America, tend to have very strong corporate structures. The board, and the board plays its fiduciary role. The executive management and the management and the interplay between them, all those structures, makes sure that this business lives on and delivers what is expected of any strong world-class business. Right. You so also let, me, let, me, let me pause you at this point, and I'll allow like you to come back and land on, on, on the second one. But somehow, in all these discussions that we've had, the role of the various stakeholders keeps coming up again and again and again. These powerful stakeholders, the board, the regulatory agencies, the, 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 the state or the government, and, and everybody, and the customers, the shareholders, and the interplay. You, you, you mentioned to the, the interplay between them. There will be a session on, 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 on Thursday morning by Rabna Safubachi on managing stakeholder relationships and by extension their expectations. And, and he, he, your, 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 your thoughts remind me of the importance of knowing some call it corporate politics. Others call it knowing stakeholder expectations and how to, how to work around them. Could you throw a bit of light on these 
the 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 skill required to navigate your way as a CEO with these stakeholders. Well, I think you just mentioned it. Uh, every CEO would need political survey. Help me understand it. Well, you need to know who the dominant coalition are. You can't get into an organization and not know those who matter in courts so that you would be able to warm yourself to them. It's extremely important. You need their support. Now, if you go to an organization where they have a trade union, definitely the trade unions become a very important part of the structure that you find yourself in. Your board does. Your regulators do. Your shareholders are important. And of course, your customers and suppliers. So you need a strong governance structure that will not lead into conflicts. And if where conflicts arise, they are resolved. There's a mechanism to, to resolve it. You know, I, I came from a place where, uh, sadly, we got ourselves employed in something like that. And uh, we've been able to put structures in place to make sure that that interplay between those structures would work and work properly. Now, where it doesn't work well, you would definitely have a problem down the line. And if it's not handled in a very determined manner, that business would wither and die. And the second one? Strong leadership is important. And here you talk of transformational leadership, not what I refer to as positional leaders. Right. You know, in our country, we tend to have a lot of positional leaders. They enjoy the trappings of power. They enjoy all the perks, but they don't groom and bring others up. They don't change the face of the business as times change. That is extremely important. You need leaders that are transformational. If you look at every world-class business, they have been relevant at each point in their time. So your prescription is twofold, strong corporate governance strong and strong leadership. leadership. And that will be two out of the five things that you'll be sharing. Well, I put that two together. For a good reason. <laughs> All right. Then, <laughs> so it's just no innovation. <laughs> innovation. Now, if you add anyone, anyone more, somebody will be. Ensuring that we can just get a little preview into what Mr. Asian will share. But even with this, the first one alone, maybe I guess there's so much we can explore in that one. Now, let me come to you, and before I get into the subject of building capacity, I talked about how do you migrate from your technical area of training to the corporate leadership that is all-encompassing. But before I come to that, when I mentioned the, the, the aspect of corporate politics and, and dealing with stakeholders, you smiled. What do you do when, in, in the course of your career, you travel to different countries, I read your CV, extend your, your, your profile, you, you you got the opportunity to be in different places, then you came in to hold your position. I, I presume that for anybody who steps into a role like that, there are people who have been there before, you have to deal with different players. What is your secret? What has been the the strongest asset you've had in dealing with people who have been there, people that you probably came to meet, that you are overseeing? How have you dealt with it? I think there are a couple of elements um, one is to have a learning spirit, which is that you want to learn from them. 
They have a lot of institutional knowledge. They know the history of the organization. And they have a lot of value to add. So I always get very close to those who are already in the business to understand the business. Um, also, it's about really respecting your team and your colleagues. I tell my team, for example, the sweeper in the company is equally important. If you walk past the sweeper without saying good morning, then you're no better off than the next person. And so everybody in the organization matters. But the important thing about being successful in other countries is really also a question about how well you adapt to change. It's, it's a test to say, can you learn to appreciate somebody else's culture? Can you learn to adapt and be successful in a different culture? And that ability to adapt then also comes into play, as you said, when you're moving from functional expertise to, let's say, general management. Because you're going to have to adapt where you put your focus. You're going to have to adapt how you spend your time and to go through, again, the learning curve of learning what is required in general management versus versus your, your functional expertise. People quickly and easily get very comfortable in their space. And some people do not transform and transition so well. Uh, I was mentioning to to come for that, you actually have to be very comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And that's actually one of the key levers for success because change is happening all the time. So you, you need to embrace some disruption. Absolutely. It is critical. Right. Um, let me let me explore this point a bit more because it's, it really is at the crux of, of, of the question that I was asking you earlier on. So we, we have an educational system that has become increasingly um, one-dimensional, learning by rote, passing an exam, and you are trained as an electrical engineer, or you are trained as a marketer, and that is what you learned in school. The course outline was given, and you punched, and you passed the exam. And so when you get outside that space, or you get into a corporate space that is requiring you to do an analytical thinking and problem-solving outside the scope of what you've been trained for, some people feel, hey, that's not, that's not my area, that's not what... I was trained for, but the impression I get is that when, when that migration from what you call functional expertise to general management will involve bringing on board several different skills and competencies that may not necessarily have been um, your course that you learned in school. Eben Asante of, of MTN in a session will be looking at building leadership capacity, but I would like you to speak to that um, briefly. The person who enters Unilever, enters Ecobank, enters any firm and you are you are let's say a marketing person, you are an accountant, you are an engineer, you love your job, but you know one day you want to become CEO. What what kind of preparation? How do they build capacity to ensure that when it gets there they will be ready? Okay, so two things. One is you know, we all talk about hard work and hard work is great. But people work hard and they get stuck there. I always tell my team, you have to understand whether or not you're adding value to the organization. Because you may be working very hard, which is good, but if you don't understand what the organization values and are therefore adding relevant value to that organization, a lot of your hard work may not generate the returns that you are looking for. Back to the element of being comfortable with discomfort, 
coming out with a degree now does not mean that you're going to end your career in that line of business. Um, in organizations like Unilever, we give people the opportunity to move between different functions. So uh, we currently have the um, executive vice president of Unilever Nigeria. His name is Yawin Sako. He started out in Unilever. He had an engineering background and he started out in the factory. But then he transitioned into marketing. And then he went into an executive assistant role. And then he went into general management. So you see there, again, back to the story of the willingness to learn, to change, to transform, and to adapt to the different opportunities and scenarios that the, the work environment provides you. If you're able to do that, then it makes it easier for you to... to grow and to climb the corporate ladder and to be more and more successful. That question of adaptability. Organizations, many multinationals and now there are a good number of local companies that have also learned that you have to give people opportunities to do things differently, to work outside their, their core background. And Despite the challenges that you've talked about in terms of some universities, most of the students graduating by doing the examinations by route, we're still bringing lots of, lots of Ghanaian graduates into the organization. But these are a crop of people who are willing to maybe unlearn what they have learned Absolutely. and to start to be analytical, to start to um, find, be creative in coming up with solutions. And those who start to adapt quickly to the environment in which they find themselves are usually the ones who, who become very successful. It's not always that you get to get two big CEOs, great corporate achievers, hang out with me on the virtual university for us to unpack and learn from their experiences. But it's the blessing of, of a Sunday evening like this, and I want to enjoy every little inch and every little bit of it. Let me cross over to Albert Isian, somebody I've admired for several years who I get to host tonight, and find out about setbacks. Setbacks. Sometimes the targets just will not surrender themselves to be hit. Sometimes you think you are the best candidate and you are overlooked. Sometimes you think everything is going well and suddenly your competitor from nowhere comes up with something absolutely unimaginable. Friends, Not it's not always a nice climb from glory to glory. There are days when it's almost like the whole world is coming to an end. How do you deal with it? Kelly Gajipu of Enterprise Group will be walking his group through how to overcome setbacks. How do you deal with difficulty? How do you deal with targets that don't get met and you have been given an ultimatum? If this year you don't hit your targets, you are out. How do you rise up beyond setbacks? Mr. Asian, it's a subject I know you would understand very, very well. You started, you started the program with the verse. You said, for those that wait on the Lord, you should always become focused and determined. Even when you have setbacks, you should stay the professional that you are. You know, sometimes it's very daunting. Even when you are there as a CEO, huh, there are nights that you just ask yourself, why am I here? Really? Yes. No, everybody, everybody wants your job. Well, because they always <laughs> see the perks. They see perhaps the car you drive and, you know, those sort of things. But when setbacks will come, because you plan, some are out of your control. The macroeconomic situation just nosedives. For instance, if the city nosedives, you import 
you are caught in between, interest rates rise, you have to borrow to do the business, but you should stay calm, focused, and that is when you should adapt to the changing environment. So your first So here I talk about the business, but on a personal level, you should also stay calm and be the professional that you are. Stay focused. So your, your, your prescription is twofold. On the personal note, the leader must be calm, stay focused, stay determined, and be the true professional. Exactly. And on the professional level or the corporate level, the leader must understand the issues at stake and adapt to whatever the issues are. Very quickly. Let me, let me, let me probe this a bit more. So when you run a bank that is operating across a whole continent. Do, do you sleep? Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> you do sleep. There are, there are challenging times, but you do sleep. I can imagine that when they are giving the news about what is happening in Taiwan, you are interested. Yes. What is happening in the U.S.? Yes. Every, anybody can cough somewhere and it can disrupt your whole operation overnight. Exactly. But th- that's why I say that you should you should also always be alert, anticipate, and take the right decisions. So information gathering is very powerful when you manage cross-country uh, uh, businesses in different ge- uh, geographies, multi-currency, and the rest. Let, let, let me get very personal with you. Say, when, when you were growing up, did you ever think you will handle the office that you held? No. What I knew was that I would manage Ecobank Ghana. How do you know? When I stepped into Ecobank Ghana, I told myself that I will one day run this bank. That I told myself, and I worked towards it. What year was that? I stepped in Ecobank Ghana in 1990. And I became the managing director of Echo Bangana in 2002. 12 years. Yes. And whatever happened after, I thought was the foundation I laid for myself. And like I said, career planning is preparing yourself, being at the right place at the right time. And depending on the grace of God. <laughs> but if you just join us, I'm sure the way you seem to say in town, you say career planning, being at the right place at the right time, and waiting for the grace preparing, of God. Preparing yourself. You know, Preparation is very important. You know, the more I listen to to yourselves and to other resource persons that we've, we've had the grace to host on this show, particularly for in preparation for this festival of ideas, the more I... I feel a sense of destiny and appreciation for the boldness to put out this program that is bringing together leaders from different industries, different organizations with different aspirations, and just making available to them different leaders who've had different experiences that can be shared to help somebody. Let me just tell you why this is so important. Interestingly, you mentioned stepping into a bank and saying, I will be the CEO of this bank. I've had Kweku Bidwado say the same thing. I heard Mr. Ishmael Yamsen say the same thing. I've heard quite a few people say, the first day I stepped here, I said to myself, 
I will make this contribution. I'm sure it's not just for self-gratification, but it's, it's, it's a contribution they wanted to make. Maybe let me ask you. So for somebody coming from a deprived place, who even getting a job as a, a lower-level executive or, or starting a starting role in Unilever is a dream come true, can they dare to dream that they would rise beyond that place and become somebody significant? I mean, just let's just let's just talk. Oh, absolutely, um, and they must. There's, I love to read about leadership, and there's a word that is really permeating the literature on leadership, and it is resilience. Internationally, they're coming to realize that resilience is one of the most important elements of being a great leader. So if anybody has come out of an impoverished background, found their way through university, and are at the doorstep of a big company, I think they already have a big amount of resilience. Right. So why stop there? Why stop there? Many of these companies now are about performance. They're, they're, I know in the past, the, a big deal about getting a job and getting promoted locally was deemed to be about nepotism and who do you know. But things have changed dramatically. I believe so. And it is now primarily about delivering results. Right. So that is in your hands. And so long as you set out to understand, like I said, what the organization values and make sure you work hard and you deliver results, you're highly likely to go on that journey and to achieve your dreams. So they must absolutely hold on to their dreams, understand what is required. And that's, those are what we're learning. We're going to be learning on Thursday. What are some of the elements required in terms of skills and competences to help you to become a, a leader in the future? And all of that comes together to make these dreams come true. I didn't have an ambition when I walked into Unilever to become. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> a few years after working, my ambition was to be marketing director. And I worked my way to be the marketing director um, of the company. But after that, it was only after I got the marketing director, I thought, okay, what next? And okay. what next after after that? You see, um, about two different approaches to the same thing. He hit the bulls area from the beginning. Exactly. And then, and then you staggered it. I staggered it. And, right. and that is why people are different. And, and everybody will have their own path. To, to the top of the mountain, basically. But you must be focused on, on what your, your aspirations are and to, and to go for them. Mine was marketing director oh, at the time. Okay, so you found out two ways to the top. <laughs> one is to aim at the top street and the other one is to aim at the middle when you get there see what next. Exactly. This is Springboard Adventure in my guests, Mehdi Akutu, the managing director of Unilever Ghana, and then Albert Essien. Is is is, is retired because he's doing now so many more things than probably when he was when he was group CEO of e, of ETI. But we'll talk about those when I get to host him again. You need to promise me that you come back again. It will be a full session because I need to unravel the journey of your life. You owe it to us. Okay. Okay. Promise made and promise accepted. Maybe let me come to you and ask you. Earlier on, you made a very thought provoking statement, and I'm, and by the way, I'm listing everything I've learned. And on number thirteen, it says go beyond hard work. 
to add relevant value to your organization. Understand the organization's expectations. And you almost said, don't assume that hard work means that you are giving value. But I learned that from you. Now, you talked about the word value, and my mind went straight away to the session that Dr. Isiasa will be holding. One of the sessions I hold very dear, that talks about values, principles, ethics. How big are these if a person wants to become CEO? Oh, they are, they are very important. Um, you must be very clear on what your values are, and you must live your values for the simple reason that once you get into a leadership position, there's a spotlight that is on you 24-7. And you don't get a chance to say, ah, I'm at work and so I'm going to leave my values at work and now I'm in a restaurant and I'm not going to leave my values. If you act differently, you create dissonance and that will influence everything that you do. So if you say you are one of your values is integrity. You must leave it in the office. You must leave it in your home. And you must leave it everywhere you go. But you must be clear on that because, again, through the, the work environment, you will come across different people with different values. And also, the other big question is how do your values merge or not with those of the organization. Mm, that's and Exactly. And sometimes, you know, if, if your values and those of the organization don't come together, then you have to ask yourself some, some very serious questions. But, but it is very important because those values, for example, will guide the decisions that you make. Let me ask a very difficult question. Can everyone work everywhere? No, absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. I worked a few years for Coca-Cola. And the transition from Unilever to Coca-Cola really taught me that organization culture is real. It is very, very real. And you may be very successful in a certain type of culture and completely unsuccessful in another or have significant more difficulty, difficulty in another. And so, no, you, not everybody can work everywhere. Tell that to the footballers. Not everybody can play for every team. <laughs> you can shine in one team and flop in another. Let me cross to my guest, my guests, my guest, Mr. Albert Essien, the, the former group CEO of Ecobank Transnational Incorporated, and ask you probably my last question, then I'm, I'm going to come back to you to wrap up for us. Um, in the final session, one of the last groups will be talking about managing your health managing stress and I know that people have lost out on their career aspirations just because they didn't manage their health, they didn't manage their stress and and so I'd like you to speak to the importance of even having a session that helps people understand as they climb how to manage stress, how to manage their health, how to stay fit, alive and, and strong to be able to realize their aspirations. Yes, it, it's, it's extremely important uh, because you, you need to be healthy. And uh, stress comes, uh, leadership comes with stress. I was asking you about you sleep. <laughs> leadership comes there's, there's a lot of stress at the top level. I sleep. At the top Sometimes level. Sometimes there are some difficult nights, but uh, definitely I think you need to be close to your doctors. Uh, you need to make sure that you have periodic checkups. And uh, you should take that very serious. Uh, you should exercise. Uh, it's important uh, that the organization should also 
ensure that uh, they give uh, such a facility for the C-suite and up. Uh, you should spend very good quality time with loved ones, family, and I always say that you should have a very good sense of humor. And listen to the Belgian University. Yes. And you live long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, and just to wrap up, I'm going to give one minute to Mehdi Akutu and one minute to Albert Isian just to tell us why this Thursday, the whole of our crash should come to a standstill and we should all converge at the, at the Labadi Beach Hotel. And just before I bring them on board, let me just remind you that the morning session is for grooming the next CEOs. It's from 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. You don't need to be at both sessions. The morning session is for a different target audience, a different program, and the evening is different. If you want to be at both, that's your prerogative, but it is aimed, it's mutually exclusive, and so you can be at the morning session 8 a.m. till 1 p.m., and that focuses on grooming the next CEOs along 10 thematic areas, and the evening session is on building world-class businesses from 5.30 p.m. till 9.30 p.m. Let me give Mary a minute to take us home. Maybe what should we remember and why should we be at the Festival of Ideas? Oh, first thing to remember is that anybody can be a leader. Mm -hmm. It's something that can be learned. Why they should be at the Festival of Ideas? I wish I had this opportunity when I was younger to have so many CEOs in one place willing to share their experiences and some of the some of the skills and competencies required to be a great leader. So I encourage everybody to absolutely make it a point to be there. Thank you very much, Mr. Albert Isian. Why leadership is crucial. Leader? Leadership is crucial. Not just in the corporate world, but in the country in which we live. We all want a very good country. And that boils down to leadership. I will say no more. Thank you very much. I have 20 lessons. It's, it, it, you've broken the record today. I have 20 lessons I've learned from you, and I'm going to put it on our Facebook page, and Legacy and Legacy Facebook page tonight. Just go there and glean from them. And on Tuesday's, in Tuesday's edition of The Graphic Business, you'll get a full transcript of this interview, and you can learn some lessons. It's also going to be on our soundcloud.com forward slash legacy dot legacy. Go listen to this interview once again, and I'm sure you will learn some priceless lessons from Media Kutu and Albert Essien. Springboard has been brought to you by Legacy and Legacy Enjoy 99.7 FM and proudly sponsored by EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank, at the mention of which Mr. Essien always smiles, <laughs> even after retiring. Until we come your way again next week, on behalf of Comfort, Matthew, Amos, and Ikea, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more